I will meet you out in the hallway. Have a great week, everybody. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thank you, God, for the reading of this word. And thank you, thank you, Brian, for sharing it with us. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, you know, this morning, it was just so wonderful to be here with you and to worship with you. And I, we thought, thank you for all of you joining online here this morning. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I love, you know, we get to gather. I see you blessing one another. We pray together. And, of course, you know, we can worship at home, and, and that's legitimate too. But somehow for me, being with you, being together, it adds so much. So I just want to thank you for being here. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, we are here to meet you, to experience you. We want to show you our love for you, for all the love that you have showered on us. And so, Lord, speak to us today. Nudge our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Let us, let us when we walk out of here, we know that you have spoken to us, that, that we are changed, that you have put your claim upon our lives. Jesus, we love you, and we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, today we started a two-Sunday series called Love My Church. Seem familiar to some of you? huh? Uh, we did actually uh, a five-Sunday series uh, in August and September on this. Uh, but today uh, and next Sunday are bonus Sundays for this. And I want you to know that I love this church. I love you. You know, I've been a pastor here 11 and a half years, and... I, I love this church. I love what we stand for. I love what we do. And I hope you love your church. Faith Westwood, we're not the fanciest church. We're not the hippest church. We're not the richest church. But Jesus didn't call us to be fancy or hip or rich. He just called us to be faithful. And that's, that's what we're aiming for. Uh, you know, there's a young adult that I know who's not a part of Faith Westwood, uh, but has had some acquaintance with this church over the years. And she said to me recently, this is hands down the servingest church I've ever seen. I thought, wow, Faith Westwood, if you're going to have a reputation, that's not too bad of one to have, is it? 
Uh, I serve on the Superintendent's Interfaith Advisory Council for Miller Public Schools. And uh, this fall, I was asked to share with all the other clergy on the council about Faith Westwood's connection to Central Middle School next door. And I told how some years, you know, ago, we, we adopted as a piece of our vision that we wanted to be the best neighbor that Central's ever had. And so, you know, as I shared about that, and I, I only, I didn't want to sound braggy. So I only shared about eight of the ways that we try to bless the students and staff there. You know. Back in May, I, I joined uh, several others from Faith Westwood, and we were hand, at the last day of school, we were handing out bottles of Gatorade to all the students as they were leaving them and wishing them a great summer, you know, and and then that day, I also got to meet the, the principal there, the new one that I hadn't met before, Dr. Michelle Klug. And I told her, I said, if you have any ideas of ways that, you know, we could connect, serve you, help you, whatever, let us know. And why do we do this? Because we're really nice people? I don't think so. I think it's because Jesus lives within us. And his love compels us to love our neighbors. Recently, uh, Central asked if we would help them once again restock their little shop in their building called The Zone. Uh, it carries free clothing, some personal items as well for the students. And uh, we've done this before, and we'll be doing it again soon. Uh, a few years ago, Donita Mosman was on staff at Central. Donita is part of our Faith Westwood family. Uh, she worked there, and she was in charge of the zone. And so one day she unlocked it for me and showed me all of what they'd have and, and what they do, and, and uh, it, it, it was great. Now, uh, I don't know if the school would allow it. Now, Danita's retired now, so she's no longer working there at the zone. But um, I wonder if the school would. I mean, I envisioned that maybe we could staff the zone with volunteers. Wouldn't that be cool? It all starts with vision, right? It all starts with a vision. What is vision? Well, here's my definition. Vision is a picture of the future that inspires us forward, right? Vision is a picture of the future that inspires us forward. Uh, what is the picture of this church that inspires us forward? And that's what I want to talk about today. The Apostle Paul laid out a vision for all churches in his letter uh, to the Ephesians. Uh, we heard Brian read that. Uh, let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at just a portion of that, verses 11 through 13, on page 1175 if you're using the Pew Bible. Of course, if you brought your own or you have it on your phone, that works great too. Now, these three verses in the New International Version are just one long sentence. And if I could summarize verse 11, it tells how Jesus gave us different kinds of leaders in the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to govern us, to guide us, to convert us, to shepherd us, to teach us. And you know, that's how healthy churches work. We share leadership. It's not just one person who's in charge of it all. You know, some days here at church, I don't know whether I'm the boss or you're all my boss. I don't know. When we have, when we have staff meetings on Tuesdays, 
uh, different gifts, I believe, are represented among us. And when you uh, meet in your small groups and we have team meetings and committee meetings, different gifts are represented. And, and because of that, we share leadership. And what's the result of shared leadership? Verse 12 says, we become equipped to serve each other. And that's how it becomes so important to us. This is how we build each other up in the faith. And then in verse 13, verse 13 is the one I want to really focus on today. We come to the heart of the vision. So follow along with me. Uh, It starts with the word until. So we know it's pointing to the future. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Unity is the first part of the vision here. Jesus, you know, in John 17, Jesus prayed for us. He prayed that all of them may be one. He's praying for unity. Now, are we unified? Well, we don't agree on everything. But we are unified about the basics, about the foundation of our faith. Uh, We are unified about putting our faith in Christ and knowing Him personally. We are unified about expressing our love for God uh, by loving our neighbors. Our church's future depends on that kind of unity. Now, so the first part of Paul's vision here is unity. The second part is maturity. So let's look at the rest of verse 13. He, picture, he pictures that Jesus' people would become what? Say the next word with me. Become mature. Become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Paul's vision is that, that we would not stay in spiritual infancy. His, infu- his uh, vision is that we would pursue spiritual maturity. You know, at Faith Westwood, we describe that maturity like this, to become deep, daring, daily disciples. It's a vision of, of spiritual maturity. And that is our vision statement here at church, uh, to become, will you say it with me? To become deep, daring, daily disciples of Jesus. That is the future that we are aiming for. Now, we know God accepts us as we are. Right? That's a good thing. Uh, But as Jesus' disciples, we're also always changing, always becoming, hopefully, more deep, daring, and daily. That's our vision. Or we could settle for being sleepy, superficial Sunday Christians. What do you think? Nah? Being sleepy, superficial Sunday Christians, that's not our vision. Our vision is to be more like Jesus, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, now, this statement, becoming deep, daring, daily disciples of Jesus, that's sort of like the skeleton, the the framework. Uh, Today, I want to put some flesh on those bones and share with you how I picture our future. I picture a future with loads of faith groups. Uh, you know, I, I see you know, a future where the, m- the vast majority of people are in a group. Uh, you know, before the pandemic, we had about 30 uh, 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 faith groups for adults. 
Uh, and uh, most of them are still going on. You know, some we did kind of slide away, and that's, we understand that. Uh, but we're building back. Um, now, a church and ours too can have all kinds of groups, but for us, if we call it a faith group, then its purpose is discipleship. Its, its purpose is to engage us in following Jesus. Um, and for, at Faith Westwood, our, the faith group is our primary strategy for helping us become deep, daring, and daily. You know, I, I meet with a group. Uh, we meet on Fridays at noon, and uh, last Friday, five of the eight of us were able to make it. And um, as usual, we, just, we start by just kind of sharing our lives with each other, and then we, because the topic was still on margin, we talked about, you know, um, where we need more margin and, and steps that we might, we're taking to get there. And, and we, we read the scripture, we talked about that, we prayed together, and we did it all during our lunch hour. So it really has to zip along. But you know, I picture something like that for, for each of us. I also know Wednesday night, we've got a new uh, small group for young adults. And uh, I think we're eight or nine there on Wednesday. And uh, so that one's starting to pick up and get momentum, too. Um, I, next, I, I picture a future filled with children and students. This church is kind of running over with children and students uh, and where they discover Jesus and come to know him and love him. You know, a church with no kids is a church on hospice. It's just waiting to die. And with dying churches, all you could do is try to keep them comfortable while you wait for the end. And you and I know that it is nearly impossible to attract families with kids once you lose a strong children's ministry. You know, the way I see it, Faith Westwood, this church is going to outlive us all. And I say that because the trustees put 50-year shingles on the roof last spring. <laughs> so we have to be around at least that long. And, and as long as we have ministries for children and students that parents want to bring their kids to, this church has a bright future. And I picture a future where we are loving and serving the community, which is already happening, but it's got to keep happening. And I'm not just talking about social programs, you know, that any organization could do. I mean, anybody can give away food. But only a church can represent Jesus by the way we love people. Do you agree with that? Only a church can represent Jesus by the way we love people. This year I found a, a budgeting course that I believe may uh, replace Financial Peace University for us here, uh, we ha which we haven't really had that recently anyway. But this new course is put out by an organization called CAP, which stands for Christians Against Poverty. And, and the budgeting course they have is one that could help anybody uh, do better budgeting, which I think is, is very important. I, 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 I'm a big, firm believer in, in, in budgeting. And, and I all... I also have this idea, this, this vision, this picture in my mind that we would offer it to our pantry patrons. And if some of our 
uh, pantry patrons take this course, then maybe after the course is done, uh, we could start a new ongoing group out of them. You know, a lot of them, they don't, they don't go to church, they don't have a church, but this group could become like their church. You know, a lot of people don't trust institutions these days, including churches, but they might be open to a small group where they can talk about the Bible and God, where they can support each other and become spiritual family to each other. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? I picture a future where live streaming extends our gospel outreach. And sometimes people say, Steve, don't you think that our live streaming is just kind of encouraging people to be lazy and stay at home? Well, you know, there are pros and cons to it. I won't deny that. But early in the year, a family started coming to Faith Westwood, and they had just moved to Omaha from the East Coast And they said they found us online and started worshiping with us even before they moved to Omaha. And so when they arrived, Faith Westwood already felt like home. A few days ago, we received a card thanking us for our online worship and appreciated the whole margin series. The the note said it was from an older woman who lives here in Omaha, and somehow she found us and has been worshiping all fall. We haven't met her yet, but we hope to. Uh, our plan is to, is to get in touch with her and ask us if she'd like for us to bring communion to her monthly. Last, last month, we received an email from uh, a Faith Westwood family. who They have a couple of kids in college, and they shared how on one particular Sunday, they all got to experience a live stream worship together, even though they're scattered out in different cities and different places. And, and during the service, they were calling each other. They were texting each other. They were encouraging each other. And it was just what they needed. I picture a future where we stick together despite the challenges ahead. As uh, some of you know, the United Methodist denomination will probably become two denominations, um, maybe later this in the fall, uh, next fall, and the conference is scheduled to start in in late late August. Uh, If the changes pass, Faith Westwood will then have to decide which of the two Methodist denominations we want, we want to belong to. And that is not going to be easy. Because we have never said that you have to see any particular issue just one way. And I want you to know that, you know, whatever, that, that, that the current challenge in our denomination now is not over whether... We love you. Not over whether we love you, our gay church members, and friends and family, and neighbors. We love you. Jesus, he, he taught us this. He made it very clear that, that this, this is how we live now. We have to love one another. We have to love our neighbors. It's non-negotiable. The question is... Do we decide whether to 
uphold same-sex weddings or not. And people on both sides have good reasons. They can quote Scripture to support them for their convictions. My aim in the coming year is to help us listen to each other and understand each other. And when the day comes when we have to decide what denomination we'll be in, I hope that uh, almost all of us, 95% plus of us, say, you know, whatever, however this turns out, I want to stay at Faith Westwood, even if I don't get my way, even if it doesn't go the way I think it should or would. This is my church, and it is worth staying for. One more. A picture, I picture a future where Jesus is lifted up as Lord and Savior of the world. And that this will be the future for this church for, a, for decades and decades to come. This truth is the fixed star that guides us on our way forward. Jesus is the Lord and Savior of the world. And all other truths start here. You know, some people these days decide they want to just make up their own faith. Okay, I'm going to just say, I'm going to believe these things and make this, this my, my faith, my religion. Well, I hate to tell you, but fabricating your own religion is idolatry. It's, it's putting your plan above God's. It's based on pride. And, and neither is faith something that we, we pick out like tasting samples at the ice cream shop. And I always say, oh, I like that one. I'll have two scoops of white chocolate raspberry, please. You see, faith is more than having options and opinions and preferences. If, if faith is going to mean anything, it has to be based on truth. And whatever else you do, I hope you will pursue truth. Anything less than truth is not worth pursuing, is it? And I believe that Jesus is truth. Why do I worship Jesus as the Lord and Savior of the world? I, I, want, I want to share with you just some of my own ideas, my own experiences. One, nothing can change a person's life the way Jesus can. Through faith in Jesus, addicts become sober, cheaters become faithful, liars become honest, the selfish become generous, the arrogant become humble. Nothing transforms a person the way Jesus can. I've seen it over and over. Another reason I worship Jesus as Lord and Savior of the world is historical. Uh, the early church could not have exploded in growth the way it did apart from Jesus' resurrection. If Jesus was still in the tomb, the Romans could have just paraded his body down Main Street, Jerusalem. If, if Jesus, if his disciples had made up the idea of the resurrection... Well, a lot of eyewitnesses could have put an end to that story. And why would these same disciples have endured martyrdom if they knew it was based on a lie? When the New Testament was written, many eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection were still alive 
I mean, they, would, they could testify that they had seen Jesus. They had spoken to him. They had touched the wounds in his hands and in his side. And I believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior of the world because of this. When I see the mess this world is in, it seems to me that those who are most like Jesus are the hope of the world. From a nun I know, Sister Jessie, Sister Jessie Alex, who used her inheritance to start an orphanage in India. Missionaries, uh, Horacio and Esther, working with children in Costa Rica. Francis Collins, who started an organization dedicated to bringing together rigorous science and biblical faith. And what they all have in common is that they love Jesus and they resemble Jesus and the world is a better place because of them. People like that are the hope of the world because Jesus is the hope of the world. And one more reason that I am confident that Jesus is Lord and Savior of the world is that throughout my life of following Jesus, God has spoken to me many times. Uh, call me crazy if you want to. I couldn't prove otherwise. But sometimes words seem to have been put in my mind that did not come from me. They were addressed to me. And other times I felt an inner nudge to, to do something or say something and that really kind of surprised me. And yet when I acted on that nudge, it, it turns out to be exactly what I needed to do. And many of you have experiences just like that. So for all these reasons, and I'm sure many more, I picture a future for Faith Westwood for decades and decades to come where Jesus is lifted up as Lord and Savior of the world. And now I want to know, can you join me in picturing this future? Do you share this vision with me? Loads of people in faith groups and lots of children and students becoming disciples and loving and serving the community in the name of Jesus and extending our gospel reach through uh, online and sticking together despite the challenges ahead and always lifting up Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to give you a full minute now to consider this and ask yourself, is this a vision I can get behind? And if it is, ask God to help you imagine yourself in that future. And as it unfolds, let's pray about that, shall we? I want to give you a minute while uh, Tommy plays for us.
Lord Jesus, Faith Westwood is your church. We don't own it. We can only be part of it. Lord, you have a reason for putting us here in this place at this time. Lord, you have a calling that only this group of people can fulfill. And so, Lord, we ask you to plant that vision firmly in our minds so we can pursue it with all our hearts. We are your people, Lord. Shine your light upon us and shine your light through us. In your name we pray and all God's people said, amen.